companies should not care about experiences because customers build their own experiences. But companies should focus on the interactions. And the interactions is this, this point of time when customer expectations and business outcomes come together and they need to be balanced enough so like they both occur with equal value for both. Like value co-creation at the point of interaction is what actually determines, you know, whether the customer likes the company and the company likes the customer, basically. I'm Steven Spears, and this is... The Future. The Future. The Future of Customer Engagement. And Experience Podcast. Welcome to the FCEE Podcast, presented by thefutureofcommerce.com. Be sure to check out the site for everything you need to know about customer experience trends, and check out the show notes for this week's article of the week. Has to do with Ted Lasso, so that's fun. This episode's all about dynamic journeys in customer experience. What does it mean? Why is it relevant? Why should we even be dedicating an entire episode to this? It's all in this week's discussion here on the FCE Podcast. Hi, I'm Esteban. <laughs> uh, well, sorry, more than that. Uh... Hi, I'm Esteban Kolsky. I'm the Chief Evangelist for CX at SAP, and uh, my entire uh, purpose in life is to create absolutely fantastic conversations about CX and the role that CX plays in the in the world. Oh man, that is an elevator pitch if I've ever heard one. That was beautiful. That's what I do, my friend. I do elevator <laughs> pitches. That's, that's as far as it goes, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's as far as I got. All right, and Raj, uh, great to have you as well. You want to introduce yourself as well? Thank you, Stephen. I'm not as famous as Esteban, so I can't just say, hey, I'm Esteban. Um, so, you know, I'll give it a little bit more uh, background to it. Hi, my name is Raj Balasundram. Uh, I'm Senior Vice President of the Masters, been with the Masters for six years. Uh, we are absolutely chuffed being part of SAP. Um, and so my background is engineering, AI, um, but I'm always passionate about customer engagement and CX. So, you know, hopefully I can bring the AI CX customer engagement flavor to this um, wonderful podcast. Yeah, no, I'm excited. We got elevator pitches and then we got the the details. So I think it's going to be a good mix of things here. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, obviously we're talking about dynamic journeys with this episode. When we're talking about dynamic journeys, can you explain, uh, Esteban, this might be a good spot for you, just what, what you're talking about with dynamic journeys. So it, I, I recorded an episode uh, of my video show, I Don't Know What I'm Doing with Friends. Uh, by the way, that's a trademark now. It'll it be available in, uh, everywhere you, you shop for video podcasts. I was going to say, you saved the plugs till the end of the episode, Esteban. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, 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 I put them as I go along. But I recorded a video with uh, Dr. Graham Hill, who's a fantastic person and a good friend. And uh, he, he talked about this concept of customer journeys and company pathways, right? And the, the two opposing sides of these things. And he said a customer journey problem is that they're usually static. When we talk about customer journeys, it's like, documenting what a customer did once. And then as we go forward, looking for patterns of behavior in our customers that would tell us, hey, they're in this step in the journey. And then we put them in the journey, which is how we design the response of the company uh, to, to what the customer is doing. And then we manage them through that static journey, right? Um, the problem with static journeys is like twofold. Number one, there's not two customers ever who have done things the same way. And two, there's not one customer who's ever done the same thing twice, right? Everything is determined by context, by intent, and a bunch of other things. So what we actually end up having is that customers don't do static journeys. Customers do dynamic journeys. And we need to find a way to, uh, for the company 
to not just create these company pathways, which are like the static journey version of the company's response, but we need to find a way for the company to be able to dynamically adapt to what the customer is doing. I, I have said, you know, and I'll, I'll stop after this, this brief part, but I have said for virtually ever that customers own and, own and design their own journeys at heart, which means as, as they need it, they design whatever they need. If I'm in a rush, I'm not gonna wanna log into a website, provide my credentials, click on 35 different places to find information. I wanna be able to go into a chatbot. I wanna be able to go into a speech analytics uh, a module that the company has, ask a question, get an answer, right? If I have more time, I will go through the website. I will look at the additional links that you have. I will look at additional information. I will be exposed to your offers for products related to what I'm looking for. But that difference in that, you know, two similar outcomes but very different journeys is what actually determines a dynamic journey. Interesting. So it, it sounds like the part of the reason that we had these journeys mapped out before was to feel like we're having more control about what's happening, but it sounds like yes. it, that that's not what we want to do here. So how do you even uh, scope out a dynamic journey? If it's something that should be very, you know, moving parts and things like that, how do you break it down? So Raj, Raj will do a better job than I would to, to determine that. But the last thing I'm going to say, you mentioned the word control, and control is the key to all this, right? Companies want to feel in control. Companies want to think that they know that they know what they're doing and that they're actually in control of the, the experience and the journey. And we want to design awesome experience, and we want customers to be exposed to awesome experience, and that's not how it works. And the loss of control is what actually shifts from static to dynamic, and this is what Raj can see and does a much better job that I could ever do in explaining how that you know, loss of control becomes an advantage for the company. Right, Raj? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think before we, we start trying to understand what dynamic journey is all about, let's look at historically what happened in the past couple of decades, right? So essentially, um, there are a couple of things uh, come to mind. One is uh, the, the complexity of creating an experience. And I think you know, having worked with a lot of customers, I have a lot of empathy for the marketers and CX professionals because um, previously they had limitations in technology. And not to mention, if you think about big enterprise companies or even a small companies, they have different people different, doing different things. Um, somebody will be looking after the store, somebody will be looking after the call center, somebody will be looking after another part of the business. And herein comes the problem where, you know, they are trying to create the best experience possible given their job role and their remit. But you and I, as customers, we don't think like that. You know, we think you are a company. I don't care what you do. I want the best experience. So that, that actually has been a big friction point for the past couple of decades. We all know that. And what is interestingly happening is uh, the evolution of things like marketing automation, and journey building had come to play where they tried solving that problem by designing what we call as static journeys. But back, back at that point in time, it was automated journeys or everybody thought it was dynamic journeys. And we had a few experts and for all my sins, I used to be one of those experts who said, oh yeah, this is how you design a, a journey. A, a customer comes and, uh, comes and buys something, you need to contact them after three days you need to send them an email or you need to send them an SMS or you need to send them a mail or whatever that is, and then send them a call back after a week and spam them forever, right? So, but that was just a fallback or uh, the first line of defense, essentially what brands and companies had at that point in time. 
But things have evolved a lot. Technology has evolved a lot. Real-time interactions have evolved a lot. So customers' expectations are also evolving. At this point in time, you know, if, if I don't get an answer within a few seconds, I'm infuriated because I know the technologies which are there in the background, which is providing it, the big problem being Google, right? So you, know, you get an answer, whatever it is, that you get it immediately. And what's also interesting is Google has made it available to everybody in the world to use it for their consumer purposes. So the interesting fact here is that the dynamic journeys is a result of consumers pushing for it and the brands and the companies who are responding to that need. And if you think about the general aspect of this dynamic journeys, it has three parts. One is we call as uh, the events, as in an event happening, as in saying, I'm interacting with a brand and let's say trying to find out something or asking a question. That's an event. And then there is what is called as a decision, which means at that point in time, the brand or the company will have to take a decision. Oh yeah, Hesban is coming in and he's asking a question. What do I do? Looks like he's a high value buyer. The question he's asking is a high value question. Looks like he might be a VIP or he's already a VIP. What do I do? Either should I just respond to him on a chatbot or, you know, or actually get one of our sales guys to call him immediately. And the last one is what we call as the action itself. What needs to happen when that decision is made? So it's like a three-step process. It's like, how do I figure out what the event is? Um, what is the decision which needs to be made and what the action is? So now if you combine these three parts together, that's what we call as the dynamic journey. And then it starts evolving from there on. But, but you know what? This is great because you mentioned two things that I wanted to highlight as part of this conversation. Uh, first one is you mentioned uh, expectations and business outcomes, right? And I've been on this, uh, uh, no pun intended, journey uh -huh, for, for, a few, for a few weeks, months now. So I'm trying to convince people that it's not about experiences, but it's about interactions, right? Companies should not care about experiences because customers build their own experiences. But companies should focus on the interactions. And the interactions is this, this point of time when customer expectations and business outcomes come together and they need to be balanced enough so like they both occur with equal value for both. Like value co-creation at the point of interaction is what actually determines, you know, whether the customer likes the company and the company likes the customer, basically, right? Comes down to basic human behavior. So I want to make sure that, like, you know, we highlight the fact that we need to focus on the interactions themselves not the journey. The journey will be put together by itself, right? The, the, you, you mentioned the event, the decision action model that, that, that you created, which I think is fantastic. But every single event becomes an interaction. And that interaction, you know, when you aggregate them, become part of a journey, right? There's not a single event. There's not a single interaction journey that exists because the journey begins with a single step, but it doesn't end right at that step. Otherwise, you open the door and you're done with the journey. <laughs> and you never leave your house and you never go anywhere, right? So, so you cannot have a single a single interaction uh, journey, but you can have, you know, basically, uh, you know, a, a focus on interactions, which is where the company must be to deliver an exceptional interaction where the company achieves its business expected business outcomes, the customer expectations for an interaction meet, 
they, they get balanced, they co-create value, they both walk away with an equal perceived element of value, and that's a successful interaction. And you put a string of these together, and you have a journey, and you put a string of journeys together, and then you start getting into like trust and engagement and all these things that we want. But to get there, the focus must be on the interaction. And for dynamic journeys to occur, for this like you know event, decision, action model to actually be useful, we need to focus on the interaction, not on the journey, right? Yeah, absolutely. The, the whole value exchange is, is paramount. Um, it's not about the brands getting the value of the interaction. It's actually the customers getting the value of the interaction. But then, you know, I worked with a lot of customers saying, you know, what's the point in me spending if I'm not getting value? So that's what we call as value exchange. Both of them needs to get a value at the back of that interaction. And that's, that's the whole point of, you know, companies existing and cus- consumers existing um, at the same time. So um, for me, you know, what, what Esteban said is, is the number one thing. It's all about interactions and that interaction being a fruitful one, right? And, and if we think about the dynamic journeys and, and the birth of dynamic journeys is exactly because of that, where the whole journey is dictated by the consumer um, itself or not, not by some, uh, you know, CX or a marketer putting a line journey together which says, hey, this is the path you need to follow. And assuming if, if somebody told you, Stephen, say, hey, you know, this is the path you need to follow in life, I'm, I'm not sure you would be happy with that, right? Well, at some of us, in some points, I'd be like, thank you. I had no idea what I was doing there. So I appreciate that. But no, you're, you're spot on. And that, which it, it, as you talk through this, it, it seems to me in my brain that I, there's so many interactions that you would have to account for, though. Is it really that way of you have to account for a ton of different types of interactions? Or can you really break it down into smaller buckets of interactions that are, are going to happen? So if you think about the whole structure, and that's the reason why, you know, we were talking about the structure where you have the events, decisions, and the actions, right? So there are certain decisions which a brand needs to make. You know, if a customer, let's talk through a simple example of um, a customer wants to get something and if the customer is qualifying for that or not, right? And if the customer qualifies for it, great. You do, and then the second decision after that is what is the channel they want that qualified content to be produced to them, whether they want it in an email or that they want to speak to somebody else or they would like to you know, interact with that part of the content on the mobile app, et cetera, right? So at every single point in time, there is a decision which needs to be made, which is obviously within the control of the company because they only have limited set of channels and limited set of content, right? But the whole point of traversing the pathways, as I call it, in, in, in AI terminologies, it's, it's very much like what we call as a random nodes, like every single node splits into another two node, every single split turns into another two split, et cetera, et cetera. That cannot be controlled. That is right. actually controlled by the consumers themselves, you know, because it's their decision. It's not our decision. You know, it's a consumer decision. Can I interrupt that part? Hold that thought because I want to keep going down that road. But here's the thing that most people don't understand. In a static journey, right, one step leads to the next one that leads to the next one leads to the next one in like in a serial form, right? In a dynamic journey, every single step has potentially three, five, 10, 100, 200 different options, which is the way life works. 
Life doesn't work that you do one thing and then the next one happens, right? Every time that you do something, new opportunities open up. I mean, Matt Damon and uh, I can't remember the lady's name when they did the Adjustment Bureau, which is a great movie, right? I mean, everything is predetermined, but there's all this path and you have to follow the path. That's not the way life works. Life is about like options at every single instance. You do one thing and that creates 20 different possibilities. But if you went the other direction, that created 20 different possibilities, right? I, I, I could, I, I mean, if it was up to my mom, I'd be a psychoanalyst right now. Thankfully, that didn't happen. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine me fixing people's minds? Come on, seriously. <laughs> but seriously, folks, you know, I came this way. But the thing is like those, those decisions that we make to go one way or the other, to like, hey, I don't have time, so I'm not going to log in. I'm just going to call them and tell them to give me an answer. And I'm going to put pressure for a quick answer, right? That decision that we made creates a whole different journey, right? Okay. And this is the part that, that, that brands and companies and organizations need to understand. It's like, you know, since they're not in control and the customer is, we need to be ready to go in any of those 200 different paths at every single instance. And the only way to do that is by being uh, creating a dynamic platform and leveraging analytics to do prescriptive analytics, not predictive, not trying to look for the same pattern to repeat, but prescriptive, whatever single decision spans two or three different decisions and each one has a certain value and a certain potential of happening in a certain you know, outcome that, that changes the, 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 the way things go forward. I mean, the, this is what, what you were talking, Raj, I'm going like, you know, we need to emphasize the fact that these are all dynamic journeys and then it's prescriptive journeys, not predictive journeys, which is a huge part because virtually everybody is so focused on predictability that they're missing the prescriptability aspects of it, which is the real value of the, the, the dynamic journey you know, experience, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is, we, funnily enough, all of the linear journeys or the static journeys or whatever you want to call it, the previous journey is, is always forward-facing. Once the customer starts the journey, they'll always go forward. Um, I, I know a few brands cleverly try to do you know, cross-sections and catches and all sorts of stuff, um, but the reality is, you know, customers go forward, then come backwards and they leap forward and then they come back. But it's just like us, you know, if you're going to buy, um, which I'm buying a lot at the moment because we have an empty house. So we're buying a lot. Everything like changes. So we walk into a store, you know, we go to the point of making a decision. We're going to go, yeah, we're going to buy this. I, I, I go close to the counter saying, no, we're going to go to another store and find another one. Right. So people do that all the time. And at the same time, they might come back to the exact same point where they want to make the purchase, not start all over again. So this whole journey, um, the dynamic journey caters for that need. It doesn't, it doesn't think about a linear progression. It always thinks about dynamic, chaotic worlds, but ordered in a certain way. And I think that's the whole point of you know, what Esteban is talking about, being prescriptive, but at the same time using the predictive nature of you know, the AI element as well. So it's a combination of both. That's, that's interesting because yep. we've been shopping for a, a massage gun, you know, the little handheld things. And as you talk through it, I, I think I was online for maybe five minutes yesterday, but I think I went to four or five different websites. Two things were in shopping carts within a minute and a half yep. and I didn't buy anything. I, I ended like, oh, I'll think about it. So, you know, that, that's the reality of it. So this seems like it makes sense. And I feel like a lot of businesses realize this. Has it not been something that's, that's in place or, or worked through because the technology just hasn't been there? Has that been the hindrance up to this point? Or is it really just a, an entire mindset that has to be shifted? Uh, two things. One, technology has only caught up in the last five years, honestly. And if you think about... 
um, the amount of data which is accessible, especially for professionals like me, you know, who love the data side of things, um, literally everybody is submitting their heartbeat. So if you think about the, the Apple Watches, et cetera, everything is submitted then and there, which, which did not exist like, you know, five, 10 years ago. That's one thing. The second thing is now I can sign up to Google's services and, you know, use my credit card or sometimes even free, start doing AI calculations and machine learning um, and get the whole thing completed within $10, $20. And the third thing is now the speed at which I can interact with customers on an app is incredible. So if you combine all these three things together, the access to the data, the way in which you can process the data, the way in which you can interact with a customer wasn't there before. You know, like even, even if we just scan back like the last five years, the evolution has been like a, like a hockey stick curve. That's one part. Mm -hmm. The second part is mind shift. And, you know, last year with the pandemic, nobody had to do nothing. Everybody had the mind shift automatically because they saw the fact that if they didn't do something, what's going to happen? They saw their peers fall, the peer companies fall because they did not change. It was, this change was about to happen in the next, I would say three to five years. But last year actually accelerated the whole thing going, you know what, you need to invest in technologies which are more customer friendly, which are more predictive, which is more like focus more towards customer online, digital. You know, that's just, uh, um, even though I think that's probably the only good thing which came out of the pandemic, I would say anything else if you think about it, right? So it's a combination of both. The, the mind shift um, needs to happen. It's, it's already happening because the number of conversations I'm having with customers it has definitely increased a, a lot over the last one year. Plus yeah. the access to technologies and everything has also, you know, played a major part. And I, and I think, I mean, you know, I, I think that that's one of the keys, right? I mean, we, we should do another another show with more details on this because there's so much to un unravel on this. And now we're kind of coming to the to the top of the top of the hour, like we say in the business, you know. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, the, the thing is, like, Rush just says just said the most critical aspect of this: companies are finally starting to get it and get into it, versus us convincing them. They're coming to us and they're saying, "Hey." We're not entirely sure that this whole customer journey documentation that we did has value. We did all this stuff and we store it and it's somewhere in the, the in the server and we keep updating every six months. But one thing we notice is like nobody's actually doing this wonderful journeys. I, I need to watch my language. I've been told so. Nobody, nobody's actually doing the, this wonderful journeys we documented, uh, or they're different than what we thought they would be, or like they start halfway through it. How dare they not go through our funnel so we can actually position them properly in our, in our, you know, marketing automation uh, campaign. So all these things is what we need to address. And all these things is what we actually addressing with, with dynamic customer journeys. Right. And there's, there's a lot, I mean, we covered so much so far. There's a lot to, uh, you know, yeah, you know, can, that's all yeah. I can say. There, there's so much to cover. My brain is going to like six million directions that we can actually spin from that. But the thing, the, the key part to understand is like, like Rush said, it's not us saying this is what we're doing. It's companies coming to us and saying, hey, I don't know what you call this, but this is what I need to do. 
And then from the wonderful brain of my friend Raj came this model for dynamic journeys that we use that is actually very easy to explain why every single step of the way we need to be focused on the interaction and not on the overall uh, you know, journey. That's it. That's all I got. I'm spent. I need to, I need to take a nap. <laughs> Thanks to Esteban and Raj for joining us for this week's episode. Check out the show notes to find more reading about dynamic journeys and ways that you can start to look at your business and implement these types of tactics and ideas. It's all there in the show notes for you, along with the article of the week and ways to get in touch with Esteban and Raj. As always, if you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a review and a rating. So feel led to do so. We always appreciate that to know how we can help improve the show for you. I'm Steven Spears, and this is the Future of Customer Engagement and Experience Podcast. We'll see you next time.